Hey, my name is Joe Grisola. I'm a current police officer, and today I get to be your host of the Hey Chaplain podcast. As you know, the Hey Chaplain podcast brings you stories and wisdom about life and law enforcement, giving support and encouragement to those who wear the badge. Today, Jared and I will discuss the first year of the podcast. Why don't we just dive right in? Hey, Chaplain. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm good. You know, I'm a, a longtime listener of the show, and I've got a bunch <laughs> of these episodes that I know I've really enjoyed. As a listener, I'm curious about your perspective as the host. Is, is there anything that really sticks out in your mind that you've enjoyed recording? Like a like a favorite episode? Yeah. All right. Now, the right answer is that I love all of my children, and, <laughs> and I love them all equally. Do not cut any yeah. of these episodes right. in half. <laughs> But the though I probably like I, by the time I record my episodes, I've listened through five, six, seven times probably. But the one episode that I actually have caught myself going back and listening to, and I'm listening with a big grin on my face, is the uh, bonus episode about the worst police car. <laughs> That's a great one. I, yeah. Man, I love that. I love these guys talking about something they're passionate about, and and I'm hardly there at all. <laughs> so it's yeah. just it's just one cop after another telling a story. Welding street signs in the floorboards. Yeah, yeah. yeah man. I yeah. can't believe I finally found someone who had actually done it. And so... <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that, as a police officer in my police department, we have heard that over and over again about oh, yeah. guys, you know, in the 80s, 90s, even early 2000s doing that. Yeah. And then it's always, you know, guys have told me that, and I, I just can't imagine it. And then you hear that, and you're just like, yeah, dust coming in through the car. Oh, yeah. You know, all this stuff. I can't imagine driving in those conditions all the time. Yeah. We complain about a car yeah. with no paint. Yeah. I can't imagine a car with no floor. I wish with that episode I had asked more of them what their favorite cars were, mm. because I was looking for bad car stories. Well, right? you know, they said that, though. I think at one point it was like, one of it was like the, I love it, but I yeah. hate it. You know, I think yeah. I think one of them was like, you know, worst car I ever drove, Crown Vic, but the best car I ever yeah. drove. Yeah. Crown There's Vic. a lot of yeah. guys who have a have a soft spot in their heart for the Crown Vic. Just a they, beautiful car. It, it looks it like is. a police car. It is. Yeah. It's slow. <laughs> doesn't turn well. Yeah, no. 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 Transmission after, problems. Yeah, There's the year, actually a long list of things not to like. After a year, the air conditioner no yeah. longer works. But, but, man, but it does look good. It, does. it looks like a cop car should look. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I bumped into a highway patrolman one time on a call, and he had just gotten a new Explorer, and he kept calling it his, like, you know, his mom wagon or his, his minivan. There is a grocery grabber. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. The cars. The cars are fantastic. I don't know if I can ever revisit that. Maybe if I get a lot of material, I could do another episode like that someday. But, but man, those were that. that's really close to my heart. I, I loved putting that show together. And I loved, I loved, I still, I like to go back and listen mm-hmm. to it. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, it was a fun one. That was a good one. Did, did you have a favorite? You know, I, same thing. I've I've enjoyed so many. There's several that kind of resonate that stuck with me after the fact. And one of them was the uh, episode about the pastor that then kind of, not late in life, but much later than a yeah, person normally. Beca- yeah, yeah. Yeah. 39, I think he said, became a police officer. And I was just floored by that. Like, yeah. I can't, I, I kept putting myself <laughs> in, in the mind of that person and imagining what I would do. I'm 36 right now when we're recording this. I can't imagine being three years older than being like, oh, it's time to go to Marine Corps boot camp. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind yeah. of what he did. And, uh, you know, that that drive, that calling that he kept talking about having and it kept coming back to him and how he's discussing things. I think he said, like, you know, he had his wife had a fear and a loathing of going to Southern California. And then he was like, at the point when she said, like, let's go down there, he's like, well, it must be, you know, she's getting, you know, the call because right, this right, is a place yeah. she's never wanted to be. But that perspective and then, 
you know, working in a bad part of Los Angeles. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Sorry, Los Angeles listeners, that. but I'm not a fan of your city. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I've been in Los Angeles, I just want to get out. The traffic is terrible. Uh, but yeah, imagining working in a tough part of downtown Los Angeles, that's got to be a place yeah. that you can really feel like a police officer. Well, Jim Spellman's a great guy, and I was so pleased that when I started the podcast, I thought, I'm going to get Jim, because I, I knew that he had just become a cop, and I'm like, I've got to get his perspective, because it's just like that TV show, The Rookie, mm-hmm. and so this is too perfect, and of course, as soon as I asked, Jim's like, how can I help you? I'd be happy to. Let me let me find a day where I can can lock myself in a closet and talk to you on the phone and, mm-hmm. and do this interview, and, and and he was just fantastic. It was, it was really yeah, good. Yeah, it was a great interview. Like, I was just captivated the whole time listening to his story. I just found it so interesting. It was a good one. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it too. So, you know, we've talked about your maybe your favorite episode. Like you said, you'd hate to pick one, but if you had to. But, you know, is there, as a person recording, you know, the show and going through and meeting people and doing things, I'm sure in your mind, you've got a plan. Like, mm-hmm. this is a, a topic area I want to cover. This is something I want to do. Um, this is something I want to bring to the listener. Have there been any episodes that have surprised you? And you maybe you got oh, something yeah. out of it that you didn't expect you would? Yeah. Well, most of them I learned something for sure. But the one that surprised me most was Ginger Mama Passarelli in episode 10. Uh, she just, she actually, I didn't know that I knew her already because she lived in Seattle at the time and she had reached out to me on Facebook and I had just produced a little bit of Chaplin stuff on YouTube, kind of practicing mm-hmm. uh, for this. Because I, I worked up to this podcast, it took me a year to work oh, wow. up to it. And so I was kind of learning, kind of, you know, making my mistakes and whatever. And I put out this little video and I got immediately negative, you know, criticism about it. And wow. like, oh, this is stupid. Why are you doing this? And you you made a mistake and you should have done it this way. And I'm like, man, I'm learning here. Yeah, of course. And 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 Mama Passarelli reached out to me on Facebook and said, I thought your video was great. Oh. Don't listen to those people. And I ended up having a whole conversation with her wow. on like Facebook Messenger and then forgot who that was. And so months later, I'm like, I'm starting a podcast. Hey, anybody in this Chaplin Facebook group, if you want to help, just let me know. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'll be on your show. Oh, nice. And, yeah. And I'm like, oh, who are you again? And I didn't realize who it was. Yeah. And so so she agreed. I, I started doing my homework on her and figured out, okay, this is what she does. She do Mike Rowe and had been mm-hmm. on TV several times. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. So she's been interviewed before. Mm. And I thought, so I better do my homework. And, and so I brushed up and I, I did my interview with her over the phone. And she was so wonderful and so she's just the most lovable person in the world oh, yeah. and charming and and friendly and just fantastic and and it was only later than after I like fell in love with the ministry that she does mm-hmm. where she's you know taking food out to first responders fighting forest fires and SWAT teams that are on oh, yeah. scene mud slides and, and oh yeah. yeah oh yeah she's doing all that hard work and started this incredible nonprofit and I became a huge fan and then realized oh I actually met her online like a year ago, and I did, yeah. it, it was only at that point that I realized that I had already met her before, and I told her about that later, and yeah. I'm like, I'm so sorry I didn't recognize who you were, yeah. but uh, but I was so delighted, and I think several listeners have come back and said, you know, well, I wasn't really expecting to like that episode, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was looking at that episode, and you know, you get your, whatever you get your podcasts on, but I you know, I get mine and I have the list of the, you know, the titles of the shows. Right. And I saw that one. I'll admit I wasn't super excited about yeah. it, but <laughs> when I sat down and listened to it, it, uh, it was awesome. You know, 
It uh, well, number one, it made me hungry when yes. when she was telling that yes. she was telling the story about the little boy that's like, you know, when she was deciding she didn't want to do it anymore, and then he's like, hey, you know, what are you gonna make soup tomorrow? And she's like, well, what's your favorite? And then I, he was like, you know, I think he said like beef and barley or something, and I was just like, you know, that sounds like a really good soup. I'm hungry yes, now. Yes, yes, yeah. So yeah. not only did I enjoy the episode, but it also made me hungry for soup. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, no, that was that was awesome. You know, she was talking about all the things she does. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think she was mentioning how a lot of other unnamed groups won't come out unless something's going on for more than a day or something. Yeah, yeah. that's not the case with them. And I was like, you know, that that's awesome. And then another thing that stuck to me was when she was talking about being in the Pacific Northwest and you know riots and unrest and Antifa and how at one point somebody called her and said, "Hey, like, you know, soup ladies, you got to scoot." You know, yeah, Antifa's yeah. rolling on yeah. the way, and she said they missed them by. Yeah, a couple minutes. Had to get like a police escort out of town. Yeah, that's that's yeah. not a joke. You know, you watch yeah. the riots and the the footage of the unrest up there, and Antifa's a whole another monster. You know, yeah. and it's tough. I, I can't imagine. You know, she's talking about people threatening her life, and yeah, who'd yeah. want to? You know, yeah. she just seemed like a wonderful person. I just she, she is, she is. She seemed like a sweetheart. I'd like to meet her. <laughs> Do you have anything that surprised you? Yeah, uh, the clown in jail, Gassy the clown. <laughs> I. Uh, I was completely surprised by that. I was like, you know, a clown in jail, what's this going to be about? And then listening to his story, not only his length of time in corrections, which right now I'm going to tell you that is a job that I cannot do. Yeah. Joe yeah. Grisella cannot do corrections. <laughs> and, you know, I, I grew up in Leavenworth, Kansas, which has about 50 million different prisons and, and detention facilities, yep. right? Yep. And I have a bunch state. of friends yep. that growing up there, fathers were corrections officers, and then now they have become corrections officers. I could not do that job. And listening to him talking about his experiences and things that he's done and then throwing that whole, like I'm a clown part. Like that was wild. The story where he was talking about bringing the, the, I think it was CS gas canisters yeah, because of a riot in the jail while wearing full clown regalia was, uh, was a hoot. I, I, he seemed like a cool guy. He is. He's a sweetheart. He's just a wonderful guy. And, uh, and, I wish more people. I I don't know if I should go back and rename that episode or or advertise it differently or whatever. But I wish more people would listen to it because mm-hmm. it is a sweet story. He's just a he's a great just a just another really great person. Well, that then, I you know, was able to interview. Not only that, but just his descriptions of like working in an old jail that was like a linear jail. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about things like you know the kind of the progression and development of. You know, corrections yeah, as a police he officer. That, he called that old style predator controlled. Oh wow! And I was like, yeah. oh yeah, that's. Hmm. Well, and you know, as a you know, I went to college and studied sociology and criminology, and there is a ton of victimization in prison environments. Sure. You know, sure. Uh, people that go into prisons and um, have crimes committed against them yeah. is very common. Yeah. And uh, when he was describing that linear jail, not having sight lines on people, and kind of just walking up and seeing things as they've already happened or mm-hmm. are currently in the act. Whereas the more open pod style yeah. um, environment seems for face value, much more dangerous, right? You're putting one deputy or one jailer, or one corrections officer in a pod with maybe 50 plus people. We're like, Whoa, that seems scary. But the way he described it, it made sense to me. Yeah. And yeah. he did one, a good job. One thing that, you know, police departments and policing in general kind of develops and things change and there's new theories and new ways of doing things. Uh, you kind of forget that they do that in jail or, or corrections environments too. So yeah. that was kind of cool to me. I, I was really surprised by that episode and really ended ended up enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. So 
you know, we've talked about maybe a favorite, maybe we've talked about uh, an episode that surprised you. Um, have there been any that were really hard to record or maybe oh. difficult to, you know, to get through that were just tough emotionally, or maybe they were just something about them just wasn't easy for you to get through? Well, there's several answers for that. For the most part, most of my episodes are pretty well controlled. I, I make sure that I'm recording at a time where I'm probably not going to get interrupted. And and uh, I have most of my technical stuff pretty well prepared. So what you're saying is you don't order a pizza before you start recording? No, no right. Oh, yeah. bummer. <laughs> I was hoping for a pizza to come, <laughs> but the, the but I have had I had one where I did the entire episode and it didn't get recorded. Ooh! And so I had to go back and read. It, it was a telephone interview, and I had to go back and redo it. Oh, uh, how do you so, tell the person like, hey, by the way, that last thirty to forty minutes of your life have completely yeah yeah have to be redone. That was awful, and and that individual was incredibly gracious and was like, well. Uh, we had a practice run and I'm like, well, God bless you because I am mortified that (laughs) that didn't get recorded. And so, so yeah, that, that was wonderful. Um, but yeah, I, this, one of my most recent episodes, the, the, uh, episode with about the bagpipes. Oh, that's great. That's a good one. Oh my goodness. The worst recording conditions ever. Mm. There were other people in the building. They were doing construction (laughs) at at one point, (laughs) a (laughs) shop (laughs) back, a shop back was turned on in the very next room. And it's like, no shop back is almost like the bagpipe of vacuum devices. (laughs) It commands your attention. Garage tools. That (laughs) is the, that is the bagpipe. I like that in your, your outro of that episode. You're like the bagpipe commands your attention. You You can't talk over it. Well, you can't talk over a shop vacuum. No, and oh, it, it just ruined a whole chunk of that recording. And there were construction noises and voices in the background the whole time, which I took out most of it. But mm-hmm. oh, that was so much work to even make it listenable. And, and and still, every time I did that, that left an artifact. And so you can hear a change in like the tone of my voice, uh, the quality of my voice, mm. uh, as it goes from a piece that was edited to a piece that wasn't edited. Because yeah. when it all got normalized and leveled out, then you could you could, you can hear the difference. Yes, and you know, I hate that. I hate it. As yeah. a listener, I I can tell you I didn't really pick up much of that at all. I thought it sounded great, you know. But as a person that's crafting it, I can see from your perspective how <laughs> agonizing that must be to get it right. And then oh, I'd give hear my every left arm foible. To yeah, have had those guys. They did such a good job. And I, I if they could have been here on a day where there wasn't interruptions, that would have been better. Yeah, yeah. you so, know, just improvise, yeah, adaptive, yeah. overcome. You got to just keep driving on. So. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So there were there were a handful of of those where where you know I had difficulty. Um, you know, I had to overcome some sort of obstacle. Maybe the hardest emotionally was the the first Concerns of Police Survivors mm. episode. Yeah, it was tough for um, me to listen to. It, it was it was tough because I had two different people telling their stories of loss. Yeah. And I put a disclaimer on that episode because I know listening to it as I was doing it, it was it was affecting me. Yeah. And and you know Teresa's story, I mean, even though I mean her brother passed almost twenty years ago. Wow. And, and you couldn't the, tell that by her voice. It was so was, real to her, yeah. like like recent to her. Oh, it, it felt and, like she like it happened yesterday. Listening yes, to her, that oh, was awful. It tore my heart out. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That was that was very difficult, and uh, we didn't pause a lot. We did once, 
mm-hmm. um, just to kind of take a break. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, Officer Derenfeld, he handled it like a pro and was yep. very professional you know, and, and he, very tactful he, with how much information he gave. I know him. He's a good friend of mine and uh, he is that way. And I yeah. can tell you <laughs> when he first came on, sorry, Dustin, uh, I was his sergeant and he would be so formal in how he interacted with people. Right, right. His vibe was very formal and he wasn't trying to come across as a person right. like that, but just well, very formal. Well, that's a good... Yeah, that's a good quality when you're talking about people who've lost their loved ones in mm-hmm. the line of duty. Yeah, being able to have kind of a funeral director's demeanor. Mm. Uh, that's that's what I have to do when I'm conducting a funeral. Yeah, uh, you know that that's 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 not a bad trait. No, and, and no, he does no. a good job as the president of the Kansas chapter. Oh, he's uh, great. I and like I like that he's he's a good fit for that. Yeah, it is yeah. is difficult of an episode as that was to listen to, even for me personally, because mm-hmm. he was describing loss that I've also experienced. Um, that was tough, but getting to hear about all the good that their organization does for Kansas, as well as so many other states in our country, um, they are a group that's there for you on your worst day. You know, yeah. when you lose that loved one or that member of your family that has given their life doing something, they're there for you. And when he described, you know, other people show up and other people support you, which is great. We want that. Mm-hmm. But then there comes a point where, that kind of stops yeah. for whatever reason, you know, maybe yeah. it's after the funeral, maybe it's yeah. after things calm down, that media attention goes away a little bit, but they're still there for you after the fact. Yeah. And they keep bringing you that support and that love, which and, is and, so crucial. And I didn't know that. Uh, I wasn't very familiar with concerns of police survivors before mm-hmm. I did these interviews. And, and so I only had a vague idea of what they did and the idea that they kept coming back to those families and kept ministering to them long-term really touched me because because when we have a loss we live with it for years especially that first year with the the first thanksgiving the first christmas the first you know birthday that goes by we Ugh. we we suffer through that mm-hmm. but everybody else had permission to move on at the funeral right and so and so really within that first week everyone else has moved on but not you, the person grieving. Yeah. And so the fact that Concerns Police Survivors comes back and and circles back around and, and does things to, you know, they offer retreats and these other activities and, and ways to be involved and help others. And there's like this whole process over years yeah. and I like that a survivor they, can participate in. I think that's awesome. They talked even about it was like, I don't know if the catered's the right word, but they would do, like if you... Um, lost your husband or your wife, they would put you with other people that lost a spouse. Yes. If you lost yes. a, they'd match you up with people who had the same kind or, of loss. Yeah. So you, you oh, can yeah. relate and empathize in a whole nother way that, you know, I think he, I think one of them said like, a lot of people won't understand this the way that, you know, you need to, you know, get that out and grieve the way that you need to grieve. And yeah. I think that one point somebody described like, you know, losing a spouse and maybe, getting ready for the funeral, going through all these emotions, but like you're still helping. You've got, maybe you've got family from out of town that's here to help you yeah. grieve, but you don't get that grieving process because you're trying to help everyone else, you know, and people need that opportunity and they're there to help you with that and taking people to get to the police memorial in Washington, DC. And I like even said like, maybe that, that year of isn't, maybe you're not ready for it, but right. we'll get you yeah. there two years after if you are. Right. And right. you know, I liked how Teresa said, you know, I'll be there for you, and I know when to walk away and let you have your your time to yourself, yeah. too. Yeah. Just things that are just so crucial that you could tell that it mattered so much to them that just listening to that, it, it resonated with me going, I am so thankful people like that are here for us. And I'm sorry that they had to have that trauma and that grief, 
but I'm so happy that they're able to then in turn take that grief and do something positive with it for other people. Yeah. Well, I, it made such an impression on me. It led to my first sequel. And so, and so I had, had a, my second person named Ginger, you know, which <laughs> I don't know if I had very many people in my life named Ginger, but on my podcast, I've already mm-hmm. interviewed two. And also my second with uh, Concerns of Police Survivors. Yeah. So Ginger Howell. Oh, that was a great uh, one too. Out in in Texas. Well, she's from Texas, but she's in Nevada in now. In Nevada now. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, uh, oh my goodness, she was just a fount of information. She, she knows what she's talking about. She's an mm-hmm. experienced chaplain. She, she has gone to trial with the surviving family of officers who've been killed yeah. and their uh, murderers on trial. And, uh, and that specifically is what I wanted to talk to her about, but really she gave me so much other good information. I mean, the trial part ended up being a small part of the episode because mm-hmm. there's just, she just had all this other great yeah. You know, stuff to tell. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's one of those things where as, as a listener of the show, I could see how, you know, maybe somebody's listening to your show that knows somebody that has lost someone or they're in law enforcement or they're in the fire service or they're EMS or whatever. And they know, maybe they haven't experienced that, but maybe there is somebody in their agency that has. And now thanks to that episode, maybe they're able to know of somebody to get them in touch with to get that help. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm I am glad to promote them. Uh, my podcast is not monetized. I'm not trying to make any money. I'm I'm spending money to do this. No monetization. It, yeah. <laughs> no, we're not hitting no. up that Patreon. I, Let's every, go. Every day I get emails for how to monetize my podcast, and I am not interested. It's not what I'm doing. We're not going to break the show midway to talk right. about how we can get our hair regrown. No, no, or, no, no. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we can. You know, buy a mattress or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I in, and specifically, I don't want to um, make money off of this relationship that I have as an active chaplain mm-hmm. uh, with this department because yeah. because a lot of what I do comes from this department. You know, for for the podcast, I I don't want to be making money off of them that way. Yeah, I can see that. And so I I need to keep that relationship. Pure, of course, uh, with no ulterior motives or anything like that. So, so I'm not going to monetize the podcast. But boy, I'm happy to promote other, you know, charities and nonprofits and and even businesses that help with the the uh, you know with the law enforcement community. You know, speaking of that, you have had some episodes like cops and some other things where you've talked about charities. Have have they had any? Uh, success or any help as a yes. result of being on the show? It, I, I haven't had huge amounts of feedback. I mean, people respond to me on my Facebook page and, and I get people to email me. And of course, people who are guests kind of become friends. Mm-hmm. And and so that's not unusual to get that feedback. But the best feedback that I've gotten has been the, the cops, the first cops episode, they got donations oh, awesome. to that chapter of cops because of of the podcast. That makes me feel and warm so, in my heart because yeah. <laughs> money that people are donating is directly helping the state that I serve in. You know, yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I was I that that is the best possible outcome from a podcast like this is that that people are helping out an organization like Concerns of Police Survivors mm-hmm. or or any of the others that I'm promoting and trying yeah. to help and that kind of thing. Give them that's some great. some advertising. <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. You know, you do have a platform with your show, right? You know, uh, international, right? I mean, you've got people listening yes. from all over the world, yeah. uh, twenty different countries. And that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll get on my soapbox and rant a little bit. Is all the negatives of social media, all the negatives of the internet, but there's a whole lot of positive too. Yeah. And podcasts, the like the format, I guess if we can call it that, allows for people to really, you know, 
put stuff out there that people can listen to. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people getting a lot of benefit from your show. I know I do. I, I, I yeah. I'm not kidding. I love the show. I listen to it. <laughs> Even if something is just hearing your voice, you've got this big booming like voice that just instantly when I hear that, it just like calms me down. And I'm just like, all right, cool. I'm, well, I'm, thank you for noticing, Joe. Yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, something about that, though, that is, it is comforting to me listening to it. But I, your episodes have such a varied, um, you know, kind of topics and subjects right. and stuff yeah. that you've covered. It's cool. It's just you don't know what you're going to get. You well, know, it's I've like, got, what, what's, what's, what's the next episode going to bring? Of, I've got all kinds of stuff coming up. All right, I've so let's talk about it. Let's do it. More let's variety. go. I can't, I can't commit. To future show list, them. let's get it next year in the can. What do we got coming? I, I'm I ready do, for it. I do have several episodes in the can. I am making an effort to reach out to people across the country, especially like East Coast. Mm-hmm. I have some that are, are coming that direction. Also, uh, continuing to look at other agencies. Okay, uh, there are several law enforcement jobs that I just have not touched on. Oh, and yeah, so that's a good point because I've learned a lot. Like. TICTA? Yeah. What was yeah. that? No one knew what TICTA was. Nobody knew what that was. Okay, I've, I've heard of the U.S. Marshal Service. I've heard of them. Right, but right. Yeah, some of these other agencies that are out there, that was really cool. Like, I learned a lot about other agencies, and I'd love to hear more of that. Yeah, well, there will be. There will be some federal agencies and some state agencies. Uh, there will be some of that coming down the road. Okay. Um, I am very I, – I am working on – Another Concerns of Police Survivors episode, the real trilogy. The trilogy. Return of the Cops. (laughs) I want to go, uh, it'll be a prequel, right? Mm -hmm. Because I want to go back to their origins. Oh, okay. The uh, Concerns of Police Survivors started in Missouri. Really? I didn't and know so that. So that is just down the road from me. That's and right. I am going to to get the original founders. That's cool. Uh, on I'm I'm working on that right now, and I'm I'm optimistic I can make that happen eventually. But no timeline for that. I no can't, timeline. I can't promise when. Sorry, when folks. that'll happen. Right. <laughs> but I, but I have several Put others. Put the calendars away. And, and there's a few like any good fisherman. There's a few that have that got away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really hoping to double back on some of those. There were some ideas I had on day one for I want this as an interview in my podcast mm-hmm. that have not happened yet. Okay. And maybe the first person I asked just didn't have the courage to try this maybe. Yeah. Um, and, and others, you know, it just didn't work out. And I'm, I'm really optimistic that some really unique roles within law enforcement, I can talk to them. And then also some, some unique issues. Hmm. Uh, I'm wanting to talk about things like moral injuries. Oh. Uh, I'd like people to, to have that in their vocabulary and understand what a moral injury is. And I have, I have an expert uh, from California that, I, uh, that I'm hoping to get on the show. I would love to hear that because I don't know what that is. Right. <laughs> I'll be tuning yeah. into that one. Yeah, and so and so, lots of lots of great ideas. I have been blessed with a large number of law enforcement friends, and between my contacts and then all of their contacts, uh, almost everybody I've interviewed has said, "Well, hey, you really should talk to so and so." And so I have a list where I could do this podcast for years before I exhaust the list that I already have. Good problem to have. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I like, I like that there are other law enforcement podcasts out there, but, but there are hardly any active law enforcement chaplain 
podcasts. Mm. I think there's some military chaplain podcasts. There's some other law enforcement podcasts. But I'm kind of by myself okay. in this niche. And and I feel like my show is designed to have a pretty wide net of topics and, and things to talk about, just trying to provide wisdom and support and encouragement. Yeah, of course. And and I, I, I'm real optimistic about how far I can go with, with this. Yeah. So. No, it, sky's the limit. You know, it's I've listened to the show and then I've got friends that I can, you know, I've told about the show, are able to discuss it and talk about it. And yeah. you create... Um, things to discuss, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, hope so. it's like having a book yeah. club, right? You know, yeah. we could yeah. have the Hey Chaplin <laughs> podcast club where we could have, right. you know, another show that's offset of this one where we come around in a round table yeah. and discuss your episode and what we learned from it. Yeah. Did you hear about the one with the guy in the motorcycle accident <laughs> yeah. or the guy that was a paramedic that became, you know, got put in with the SWAT team there or whatever, go. right? Yeah. And, and people, people like to talk about it yeah. and, uh, and that's good. My audience is supposed to be law enforcement, law enforcement family, and and chaplains, mm-hmm. but but I'm finding that a lot of my listeners are not in the law enforcement community. Really, and and there are several people that are like, I just just like your show. Hmm. Yeah, I just had a guy from England tell me that the other day, and and I I can't quote him or do his accent, right? But but he but he told me in a very delightful accent that yeah. <laughs> that he just thought it was interesting. You know, that's that's another thing to think about too. Is I would love for me, the listener, to get a perspective of law enforcement in other countries. Mm. You know, yep. there's a different way of doing things. I had an opportunity uh, this week where I had uh, people from Armenia that were police officers in their country ride with me for a couple of days, and they wanted to see how we did policing in in the United States and specifically in Kansas. Right. And by doing that, I got to listen and understand and learn so much about their country, so much about their issues, so much about how they do business and their goals and aspirations for the future. And Getting that international perspective, I think, is is cool. I I would like to see you get some international guests on here to talk about policing in other countries. I would love that, but but I do need help, you know, connecting with those people. What's the best way to you know be able to do that? Is is there a way that you think would be effective? If you don't already have contact with me, the best way is probably through the Hey Chaplin Facebook page. Okay. And so um, I'm not married to Facebook, but right now it's a pretty useful tool for me. Okay. A lot of people are finding the podcast that way, and and I am getting good feedback that way. People are able to get on Facebook and message hmm. the page or me as an individual. And so and so that'd be a very accessible way to get a hold of me. Uh, but but if you can if you can find me, I'm not hidden. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me other places where it's possible to like you know private message me. Mm-hmm. and and boy, if you have an encouraging word of wisdom about law enforcement, i I don't need you to have a particularly unique story. You know, I'm sure that I can use you uh, as a interview subject or or as like part of a compilation of mm-hmm. firsthand accounts or something. Oh, yeah. there I think everybody has something to offer and and I would love to hear about it. and and if as long as people understand this, these episodes have a long lead time. And so a lot of these people that you hear interviewed are being interviewed one, two, or three months before oh, wow. it actually so you're, drops. So what you're telling me is you're not recording this the day before it airs? No, no. This is not me burning the midnight oil the <laughs> night before. No, Goodness. this is this is often several weeks ahead, a long lead time, uh, because it's not my primary job. I mean, my primary job is the church. And so if the if something comes up in the church, I have to attend to that first. And I want to. That's, that's a job I love. Yeah. Um, and then working as an actual chaplain, is probably my my foremost 
side gig, mm-hmm. you know, again, not paid, but, but it just, it's a, it's a thing that I spend some time with. Of course. And then podcasting comes behind that. And so that's why I don't publish every day or every week mm-hmm. because I, there is not enough time. I would have to give up being a chaplain to do that. And yeah, I, I can't just, do that. Nope. Nope. This is the right pace for my show. Yeah. Uh, just about twice a month, more or less. You know, and that's, so, I think that's, yeah. that's fair. I mean, Hearing you describe like the things that you have to do to get a show ready, yes. you know, yeah, I I don't know if I'd want you putting out more than right. two because I want a happy chaplain coming to my crime scenes. I don't want a grumpy, right, tired, exactly. sad chaplain. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a good show. I I'm very interested in what the future will bring. You know, I think that you have done so much already in let's be honest, a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, yeah about seven months. Yeah, so. Yeah. I really mean it. Like the sky's the limit. I want to see what you what you got. I want to see what you keep bringing. I, uh, you know, your production values are so good. You know, well, thank listening you. to the show, it, it it's it sounds like you are like a professional radio engineer. You know, <laughs> and uh, it, it's good. It's it's a good show. I'm curious of what the future will bring. I want to hear once again. Let's get that international guest on here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want a London Metropolitan Police Officer telling us about <laughs> life in the big city. What about Johannesburg? Oh, man, uh, Joburg, that, that Pretoria. A, that might be a possibility. Yeah. I, I will have to reach out and see if I can find somebody. That's Policing is talk. a whole other world yeah. in South Africa. Yeah. So yeah. that is uh, that would be awesome. And probably one of the coolest accents on the planet. It is. It really is. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, are you from New Zealand? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Nope. It's South Africa. It's kind of yeah. German, kind of Dutch, kind of English. Yeah, a little bit of everything. A little bit of yeah. everything, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a great accent, but no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that you had me on the show Yeah, and, uh, it was kind of fun to be a listener that gets to be on the show and act as sort of a co-host, if you will. So yeah. Yeah. I'm really thankful that you gave me this opportunity. Well, I'm happy to have you as a co-host and this month you've already appeared twice and you've got an upcoming episode as a guest. I mean, you'll you'll have three appearances. I'll be waiting for my royalty by checks. January. That's right. <laughs> you'll get a high percentage of zero. All right. Yes, yes. Nice. <laughs> but I'd be I'd be happy to have you back again. That, awesome. I'd really appreciate that. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Good job, Joe. Go ahead and do the outro. If you liked what you heard here, please share this episode with a cop or someone who loves a cop. The views expressed here are the personal views of the host, me and our guests, the chaplain, and do not necessarily represent the views of any law enforcement agency or its components. Thank you for listening today, and as always, pray for peace in our city.